You smell a great pub in the morning. Thank you for this I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam! You let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film. Good morning, campers. Welcome back to Napalm in the Morning. And uh, we, we've got an interesting one ahead of us this evening. And we have a nice special guest, too. So uh, let's say hi, Eric. Yeah, start. hey. Uh, hey there, how there, uh, neighbors. Uh, we're, uh, we're excited to be back. It's been a little, little, little summer hiatus. I thought it was Palm Readers. Oh, Palm Readers. Okay, yeah. yeah, we need to... We need, if any suggestions, you know, tweet at us at, uh, at who, who the, the, the yeah. thousands of followers, uh, you know, like they self-identify as a group, um, of course. And, uh, yeah, we have a, a, a special guest uh, return. Uh, uh, you know him as uh, the, the, the man behind Rubbergate. You know him um, probably from most actually famously uh, from his... Uh, Book on the Great Hanoi Rat Hunt, uh, Dr. Michael Van. Hey, Mike, welcome. Hey, guys, how are you doing? <laughs> good, good. Glad to. <laughs> it's great to be here. So, so what, what, what are the fans called? What, what are the contending names for the fans? Uh, Napers? Yeah, there's the, Palmer, the Palm we had uh, Palm Readers. Um, that there were, yeah, there were there were a few others. Nape heads. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that seems somehow a, yeah. That's getting into Imus territory. Yeah. I think um, <laughs> Don, Don Imus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did not intend that. So uh, uh, yeah, um, retract that. Yeah. So if anything comes, okay, anything, yeah, comes to mind. We're on our way to another uh, lost episode. Yeah, good, <laughs> yeah, good, good. This one's for the Patreon. Not fans. my yeah. fault. Not my. Not yet. Fault. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Dr. Van, if you uh, uh, back on the Endosheen, um, he's been on the Crossroads podcast. He's got his own. Tell us about your tell us about your podcast, Mike. Well, I'm a host on New Books, uh, New Books Network. I do new books in history, uh, general, but um, try to work in as much Southeast Asia as I can, and um, you can find that on the New Books Network. Yeah, like he's got a, you've got a, awesome. you've got a serious following there, uh, new books, and uh, I know that personally that my graduate students cheat by listening to, <laughs> your, I've I've seen it happen, <laughs> and I applaud them. <laughs> you, they could do worse, right? Yeah. What do you What do you call no, no. your fans? What are your yeah, fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your fans? New bookers. Um, newbies, noobs, noobs, okay. noobs. All right, okay. new bookers, noobs. <laughs> So yeah, we have a we have a, a really interesting film today. One that's been uh, um, you know in the sort of the back of the back of the mind. But uh, since the we have uh, all things Frenchman uh, Michael Van on, we thought why not do the three hundred seventeenth platoon? Um, some context for our listeners. Uh, why? What should they, they? Do you think they know? I don't know if they know about this film. Yeah, do they? Well, this is uh, the director is uh, Pierre uh, Michael. Help me if I screw this up. Uh, Schoendorfer. Schoendorfer. He's Alsatian, so it could be German. Yeah. 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 So, so he's the director. He he was actually at Dien Bien Phu, which is not the setting of this film, but it's kind of you know a topic of the film. 
And yeah. it takes place during kind of the fall of uh, Dien Bien Phu in May of 54. Uh, so kind of, you know, the last gasp of uh, French Empire and Indochina. So uh, this this film is, think of it as uh, Oliver Stone's platoon, how that was kind of quite zoomed in on, you know, let's say, oh, I don't know, a platoon. Um, <laughs> this is uh, quite zoomed in on maybe a handful of French French guys, um, and then they're kind of working with, uh, we we believe they're Khmer, um, and it takes place in northern Cambodia, mostly. Yeah, other, it, it, it's a mixture of that. I mean, there are certainly Vietnamese actors, certainly Khmer, and maybe Lao in the film as well, uh, but it's like the like the actual events, uh, a ragtag band of, of sort of various um, combatants from across then Indochine which uh, sort of were fighting the in the first Indochina War uh, for and against the French. Yeah. Uh, yeah and then shot on location in northern Cambodia. And I believe like... Uh, wait, this isn't shot in Georgia? Like uh, <laughs> 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 every other war film? It's a soundstage in England. <laughs> but um, I think like uh, Oliver Stone's uh, platoon, um, the director made the actors march and camp and... Uh, you know, get into the um, the experience, right? And possibly killed one of his actors. We'll get into that later uh, <laughs> in the film. It's a theory, working theory that I have. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- this uh, this film is, um, you know, I mean, I won't. I will. I'll save it for the reviews. But it's a. Uh, I mean, in in so many ways, if you think about the later uh, Vietnam War film and and maybe some war films in general, like. This sets a tone, and really importantly, for how those were. I mean, am I how those films look, how they feel, uh, how they're successful? Am I am I overstating it, you guys? What do you think? No, I, I totally agree. I think it's that that zoomed in experience of the soldier that's almost apolitical. Although there's some real curious politics that have been creeping in. Um, yeah, <laughs> a couple references to a, a previous war. Um, but it's, it's just zoomed yeah. in on that experience of the soldier and uh, prefigures so many things that I think we now recognize as sort of as cliches about uh, war films and set in the American War in Vietnam and uh, the, the troops sort of wandering through the jungle. It reminded me a lot yeah. of that novel Matterhorn that came out a few years ago that's uh, just about that, that unit walking for days. It, it, it kind of does a Lord of the Rings thing with the... Uh, <laughs> It's just some guys with walking the walking for an yeah. hour and a half <laughs> without the Hobbit part of them getting ready to go walk. Like, yeah, thankfully, mercifully, um, I was thinking about the Saving Private Ryan, you know, like a maybe one of the most, you know, successful contemporary war films uh, made. And, you know, what it, it um, I don't know, if, you know, consciously it borrows from this, but certainly like, how do you tell a story about something as massive as sort of World War II is you don't try to. You focus on a very particular one thing that's happening and then events unfold contextually around that that tell that larger story. But yeah. uh, like that, it, 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 it's telling a very small story in a much bigger conflict. It is. Uh, unlike, I think, Saving Private Ryan and probably the majority of especially American-made films is that they they feel the need to find and locate the hero and show like growth and development of character over over the film 
this that doesn't there's no like hero in this movie there's not like existentialism is a yeah, hero like, i guess i'm you know you don't <laughs> really get that it's it's just like what four days of guys trying to get somewhere basically and, and lord of the rings four days of walking <laughs> okay yeah oh, and, but it, it in some ways it reminded me of um dunkirk the, um, uh, was it Dunkirk? The the, the recent what, what's his name? Yeah, shot that in one shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's it's so zoomed in on the experience of the soldier and devoid of much larger context, except for an occasional radio transmission. Yeah, yeah. Good. Should we get in? Yeah, yeah let's get into it. I mean, um, I like the opening credits for this. Uh, we get we get. Oh, Matt, Matt, you got to Matt's got a beer of the week. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to? Yeah, let's do that. Up? All right, this is one of the laziest uh, Beer of the Week selections I've made. So let me give – my hope was, you know, I go to the liquor store. I've, I've been through this before when we've done a French <laughs> film that you can't find any – there's no French beer around here, so that's out. I'm thinking maybe some microbrew has got some stupid name like The End of Empire or, uh, you know, uh, Jungle Ambush or some, some stupid name like that that I could pick for my beer of the week. And I couldn't find anything that I thought was going to work. So then I thought, what would be, what would these guys in the film want to drink more than anything? And I thought, this is a Great Lakes Brewery, Crushworthy. It's a uh, citrus wheat with like, uh, mine has grapefruit in it. And uh, I'm not sure what yours has. Yeah, also... And so this is just very light, very refreshing. Uh, this would be great on a jungle trek. Yeah, this would be a good hiking beer. Yeah. So, and that's these guys are just hiking around, you know. So that's why I picked it. That's the beer of the week. <laughs> Mike, well, as, as a as a trained uh, French historian, I have a nice bottle of uh, Ricard uh, Pastis here from uh, from Marseille, including Ooh. my. Um, uh, heirloom Ricard pitcher for the, uh, for the water. <laughs> Wait, the pitcher is that pitcher full of alcohol, or is that pitcher? Full no, of no, the, the, the water the water goes in here. Okay, <laughs> you, you've had you've, you guys have had pastis, right? I mean, it, it it comes out looking like a clear liquid, and then you you put in the water, and it magically turns that milky color. I don't know if oh, I've had. I one. don't know if I've had oh. that either. I he's Michael they're, they're drinking it in the film. They're in the first. Uh, the first drinking scene when they're leaving their camp, uh, they're drinking past these, and you can see them pour the wa- uh, pour it in the water, and it changes color. All right, we got to we got to dial it you up know, without without giving any spoilers. When the cargo lands and they they get the ball of pastis, the, the the sergeant pours it into his uh, yeah his uh, canteen. Oh, okay, nice. And you have to mix it with water. Interesting. He more than made up for our lack of uh, on the nose of. Uh, of All right. Well, it's been a great episode. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. We can we can go home now. Yeah. And scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, uh, one of my favorite things about the uh, 
uh, title cards is we get a shout out from a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Nordum Sihanouk. Uh, yeah. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Um, uh, well, not jokingly, our, uh, our former colleague, Matt's, one of Matt's mentors, uh, Dr. Kenton Clymer and Marley uh, were actual good friends of Sihanouk. And as a result, NIU has every single film that was made in Cambodia, seemingly. They have an incredible collection. Yeah, Sihanouk was quite the little filmmaker. So maybe we should do one of his sometime. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. One of his films, yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, I was there uh, when he passed away, actually, and the whole country shut down. So uh, that was was quite something. Um, Because he had been kind of the figurehead for, God, what was it, 70 years or something at that point? So... um, Yeah, there really aren't. I mean, he's for those who don't know, like, um, you know, Southeast Asia had like major sort of, uh, you know, uh, big man of history that but all had, you know, your 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 Sukarno's, etc. had uh, uh, fallen on hard times (laughs) and and or or revision as where Sihanouk uh, navigated a path of sort of, um, you know, uh, celebrate celebrated in Vietnam, celebrated in Cambodia and. Um, yeah, I, his, uh, his legacy is a, is an interesting one. Um, well, we'll have a, we'll have a drink in his honor. Yeah. And we'll do a scene. Up but, but for, for the, the, un, the uninitiated starting in, is it mid sixties? He starts devoting much of his time towards filmmaking and writes and directs And the sex. Is he, is he, and, and what? And sex. And the sex. Does he, yeah. does he appear in any of his films? Yeah, he's yeah. in um, the. Now I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's the one that's based on the Dop uh, Chuan coup in '59, where um, Lansdale like is instrumental. So he makes a film about that, which I'm blanking the name on. Read my book. Um, not out yet, but uh, he he's in that, and I think mostly he's directing. Um, you know, behind the scenes and stuff, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he was just, like, larger than life, um, you know, in the 50s and 60s in Cambodia. I mean, just... But it's all part of that that larger project of um, 1960s Cambodia, including the, the emphasis on architecture in Phnom Penh and just sort of creating Cambodia as this cultural hub that's going to lead Southeast Asia to this glorious, non-aligned future, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then, right, and, and Sihanouk had kind of masterfully negotiated... Um, a path that was very different than than Vietnam, certainly, and uh, you know, like his and his, uh, he he deserves he deserves some of that credit. I mean, it's hard to you know, it's uh, you know, Vietnam was a was yeah. a was a pearl that the French were, weren't willing to let go of easily. But um, uh, we should give credit for Sihanouk for sort of skillful diplomacy. Yes, and not too much because uh, he was also a dick. So. <laughs> <laughs> Read Matt's book. Uh, wow, <laughs> we're going to lose listeners in Cambodia, but uh, we say that purely in it's affectionate. You yeah, know. yeah. I say, call my friends. It's going to be another banned episode, and it's not uh, my fault. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, as, so as, as Matt said, uh, that we were letting we know it's May fifty four. Um, uh, this is definitely uh, pre Geneva. Con- so it's May. I think they say yeah, May fourth. So it's yeah. Geneva conference is, is about to get started. Um, to foreshadow, Tian Bian Fu is going to fall in three days, right? So um, that's that's kind of where we are in this 317th platoon. They're at Luang Ba, 
which is in northern Cambodia. I'm not sure that it's real. I tr- couldn't find it on a map, and I Googled around and couldn't find anything about it being an actual place. So maybe made up, but anyways, that's kind of where we are, and they have to leave this camp because it's going to be overrun. Yeah, and so one one of the things, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but the, the opening credits are that um, long scene flying over the jungle, but prior to that, there's a zoomed-in shot of a bunch of ants. Yeah, because What's what's the deal with that? Yeah, I, I don't know, and I mean it seemed to maybe a little bit of a uh, kind of racist metaphor for um, the Viet Minh troops overwhelming the Mben Phu like ants or something. I I don't know. It was it was a it was the only really tight scene like that in the whole film, right? It's just a bunch of army ants crawling over something. I will be honest, and I, I missed that. Uh, Eric and I were uh, in a hot tub uh, with my wife. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were watching so, uh, this from the hot tub. <laughs> we did rewind that scene several times, but uh, yeah, no, that was. I, I, I was thinking like, oh, this is some French, you know, some French cinema thing, uh, you know that. But, but yeah, you're right. It might be um, something about uh, the because right there, there's the scene. Uh, spoiler alert, um, when the, the Vietnamese are take Jim Bian Phu, they're marching like with lanterns, like maybe like ants on parade, like down, yeah. you know, and maybe that's the, the allusion to it. But, um, yeah, yeah. but it's a, it's a, it's it, well, and, and as Mike said, it's, it's shot in Cambodia and it, it just has so much of the authenticity that you just can't recreate when you don't. Yeah. Sh- this is shoot in the, uh, a decade after these yeah. actual events. I mean, and they're cutting through some of the same places that this platoon theoretically would have gone through. Equipment that is not like movie prop, but it's actual gear, you know, from, from that conflict, uh, probably on the same elephants that were schlepping them around. Those poor uh, bastards. And, uh, yeah, it just, and it's, it's in, it's in black and white. It's very, um, it's very cinematic that way. Um, would I, I was thinking about this. Would this film have been better or worse in color? I think I think worse. In my I book. think black and white's good. I like it. Yeah. It's cool in black and white, but um, also with like sort of nineteen sixties Technicolor film. I mean that that jungle would look fabulous. Yeah, but it's it true. Is, but it is it is it is it. I mean, it is is a great work of art. Yeah, it gives um, it a little more of that quasi documentary like bootleg yeah. sort of feel like with the black and white i think so yeah, um, yeah. and it, it's, it's similar to battle of algiers you know, shot in black and white who's the right movie, which know. came out the it's following also, year it's also yeah. and it's based on a novel by the director who uh, published the novel a few years before yeah yeah we mentioned briefly he was taken as a pow following uh dian bian fu um and he uh, shot footage. He, so he shot footage of the entire battle, but he kind of destroyed his stuff as as the enemy troops were kind of coming in, just like all the French soldiers were kind of sabotaging their own equipment. Um, there was a Soviet filmmaker there to film the other perspective who found his stuff and kind of made sort of friends with him and was watched his footage and stuff, said, hey, you got really good stuff here. I'll, I'll make sure that, you, you know, you get treated well. And so uh, he kind of worked a little bit with this, Soviet guy on filming some of the stuff which got turned into I think it was called Vietnam uh, Soviet film 
came out in 1955, which I've not seen, but... Um, the film was just called Vietnam. Yeah. Okay. But his, so, so our director, uh, Schoenendorfer, Schoenendorfer's uh, footage has, as far as I know, never seen the light of day. So most, if you're seeing like footage of Dzien Bien Phu, it's, it's coming from the, the Russian, Russian perspective, side. Vietnamese perspective. Yeah. God, that's and then in 19, you know, in 1992, Schoenendorfer made a film called Dzien Bien Phu about the siege. Uh, which goes on and on and on, feels like the siege. Um, and his <laughs> son, I think Olivier, which was plays uh, young Pierre. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He has his son as, as himself. Yeah, that that uh, it'd be interesting. I mean, you wonder what like uh, what uh, psychological damage that did to his son, his dad, <laughs> yelling at him <laughs> to behave in certain or to feel certain ways. <laughs> um. But yeah, the, the uh, I mean, you know, since most of our, I guess most of our film reviews focus on Second Indochina War, uh, this is, you know, the, the, the French, the French come back after World War II and, um, to, you know, reoccupy. Um, it's like Terminator 2, right? They thought it was done, but no. <laughs> yeah. And nine years of war. Um, yeah. It took about nine years for T2 to come out, I think, so. Oh, I see parallels. Like, yeah, like no, eight, eight years. So, who's Skynet? And is that? Uh, uh, damn, I'm not sure. Ho. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah. So, the, so the 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 French have, um, you know, are 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 back and like like the Dutch do in uh, also in uh, Southeast Asia. They are desperately battling, using every goddamn fucking dime of martial aid money to uh, fight uh, and create more problems in globally. Yeah, yeah the U.S. is paying for three-quarters of the war by 54. Um, and, yeah, it's... it's um, yeah, I guess we can do real brief on a little context. Um, Raul... I've got to move my microphone. It's right in my way, my notes here. Uh, Raul Salon is the uh, French commander, and uh, he has never, like, created a, an indigenous army and so the u.s is real mad like that you're blowing it you got to create an indigenous army you know so they they're they they're not happy with his performance he's replaced by uh Henri navarre in in um 1953 um and he comes in with this navarre plan which is a major offensive in the north work to build up sympathetic vietnamese forces and uh essentially the french government wants to stabilize the situation as best as possible so that when peace negotiations begin at, at uh, Geneva, they can kind of have it be on favorable terms. So their goal by 54 is not really military Good victory. plan, French. <laughs> it's just, do, you know, get yeah. the best advantage you can on the battlefield to when, when we're negotiating for peace. Um, and so part of that is put major concentration of forces at Dien Bien Phu, which is in northwest Vietnam, and lure the Viet Minh into a major battle. And that works. They are lured into a major battle. <laughs> Does not go well. Yeah. Mike, Mike if you want to jump in, throw anything else in there, feel free. Uh, no, I've got nothing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so so it's, uh, um, you know, that when we, you know, I mean, we've said this before on the podcast, but when we talk about the Vietnam War, if you talk to the Vietnamese, like, you know, there are there are many Vietnam wars in fought in there, uh, three for sure in their in the twenty in recent history, and uh, yeah, this is a this is a pretty this 
their victory, I think, really emboldens them in ways that the U.S. should have been expecting and understanding uh, when it goes in a major way, but it's simply... Um, which... Uh, plug for the Southeast Asia Center, which is maybe the reason we study Southeast Asian languages now. So yep. we don't do a dumb thing like that uh, again without knowing a, a thing yeah, about. Maybe, maybe there's some conne- maybe there's some connection to federal funding for um, uh, developing hey, the bodies we, of knowledge. What if on we knew anything the about the places we go into? Yeah, that would be interesting. Or they could have um, just watched this movie too. Um, would have been another option. Yeah, sixty-four. Yeah. yeah, What um what uh, terminology do you guys use? Do you guys still say? The Vietnam War. You don't say. Well, when first we, Indochina War, second Indochina War, third Indochina War. I do both. American I mean, War in Vietnam. Yeah. I think we probably say both yeah. in every episode we're talking about. Just to, yeah. We probably have the same boring lesson that our listeners <laughs> or historians. <laughs> the same boring guys. lecture that I give about <laughs> terminology. Yeah. So so I mean, it, would, it would be nice to create a sea change in that. I, I try and get my Americanness to call it the American War in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, yeah, good point. I think, yeah, that's I think I persuaded bit. one. <laughs> yeah, which way? Wait, <laughs> that gets problematic too. But yeah, the uh, uh, so th- this is a this is an interesting part of um, you know Vietnam's sort of epic struggle against uh, colonization, and uh, we're seeing the we're seeing what's great about this is a, it's a kind of a, a a last gasp of empire. We're really seeing. Uh, uh, what it's like for the wind to completely go out of the sails, and it and it it has this ominous feel that I hadn't really thought about for, but it is such a a smart thing to focus. Just the almost like you know when you hear uh, Ho Chi Minh talk about uh, the end of World War II, you know he's like power was just laying in the streets, waiting for someone to pick it up. You know, and there's there's that kind of electricity in the air in in an ominous way for the French. Uh, that you that you get when you make it about a a, a transition point like in uh, that was it was smart to focus on this because it's so it's so heavy what's coming heavy like the fridge that right. they are having to carry out of the uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah let's <laughs> and and what I think what's uh, also important to keep in mind is that the French audience is watching this and they know they you know spoiler alert they know they're going to lose uh, uh, French Indochina. But they also know that a few months after Dien Bien Phu, the war is going to start in Algeria, which in some ways for the average French soldier is going to be much worse. Because most of the troops that fought yeah. in the first Indochina war for the French were not French. Uh, lots of foreign legion troops, uh, lots of interior Senegalese and Moroccans and so forth. Um, but then the, the war in Algeria is going to be uh, conscripts. So the average young Frenchman runs the risk of uh, being sent down there. And that war is even more scarring. But um, both of these wars wind up being uh, forgotten wars, um, so, <laughs> along along with uh, Vichy. Um, <laughs> so there's this whole wave of French amnesia regarding things in 1940 to about 1962. Forget about Vichy. Forget about uh, the First Indochina War. Forget about uh, the war in Algeria. Well, maybe this um, is a good... This film come... Hmm. Go ahead, yeah. Go on. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to introduce one of the characters who kind of... Uh, rolls across those. Uh, Bruno uh, Cremier uh, is Adjudunt Wilsdorf in the in the film, and he's he's kind of the old uh, in 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 uh, you know war terms uh, uh, grizzled um, veteran. He he was 
he fought uh, with the Germans, uh, with Vichy, um, in, uh, uh, in, in, in the European theater in World War II, and, uh, and then he's, of course, fighting. We see the end, and then um, uh, we, there's an interesting uh, end card about him in Algeria, uh, which was yeah. which was yeah. a great. So he he really he's kind of that that character that that covers all of those kinds of the forgotten French yeah. uh, war. Right, he's this mm-hmm. really interesting guy. Um, and it, it, it's it's he makes a point that it's not it's not Vichy. He he's an Alsatian, as is the director. Yeah, and um, Germany reannexes uh, Alsace Lorraine, and he's conscripted into the Wehrmacht and is. Uh, serves in the Eastern Front in, in the Soviet Union and lists off a whole series of battles. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, he even says he's in Berlin in May 1945. Yeah. So he's I mean, he's got this extensive war experience in the in the German army fighting the fighting the Soviet communist menace, and now he's in Southeast Asia fighting the Vietnamese communist menace, right? So Wilsdorf is the is the uh, Alsatian character uh, who's maybe second in command to to Torrens, who is the younger, um, pretty green. I think he had just been there, gotten yeah three weeks earlier or something. He, they said, yeah, yeah, I think less than three weeks. Yeah. So he's the, he's the there's the the Willem Dafoe character would be uh, <laughs> the Alsatian, right? The grizzled uh, veteran, and then yeah, who's it, who's, who plays the young lieutenant in Platoon? Oh, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah. Seen, yeah, yeah. He's uh, and he's uh, he's obsessed with wearing gloves. Uh, I noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> like I noticed that. Leather gloves on the uh, the whole time, but we, and then um, there are others. And, and unlike so many films we cover, there are actual um, Southeast Asians who are uh, major players in this. Well, um, let's put that in air quotes. Major. I mean, right? Compared compared yeah. to so many of the films we see. Yeah, like, yeah, because. Actual, we don't really get to know any of them. Uh, we get to know. I mean, honestly, we only get Sergeant to know. Sergeant Sopletif Bakut, we know. We get to know a little a bit. A little bit. But you only really get to know yeah. Wilsdorf and Torrance, I would say. Yeah, no, for sure. I say that with a grain of salt because, yeah. um, but compared to the other ones, like uh, these are these are given ma- major roles. <laughs> Give the, 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 the nameless faces, faceless. Yes. And one of those roles is carrying the fridge out of the uh, <laughs> village yeah. that they have to abandon. So we start like, so the, right, so the, the point is, they have to leave through the seventeenth. Is leaving their post. They got to like you know not leave anything working for the uh, Vietnamese who are going to take it over. And uh, they decide to carry a fridge full of, um, I mean, I guess booze. What's in their van? What do you think? Were they? Well, they, they, they um, Coot actually says if we take the fridge, um, we can keep the pair nose cold. So not <laughs> not Ricar, but the uh, which I'm drinking, uh, yeah, but yeah. the competitor competitor. To record a different brand of pesky, so drinking Perno. Um, but so you, yeah, you right. For it. <laughs> and at yeah. one point, they're kind of like lined up before they depart. And I think one of the the Cambodians has um, like a pig in his yeah, little pig. jacket pocket, <laughs> you know, like kind of hidden like in his jacket. <laughs> and he says, and the you know guy says, you know, you can't bring that. That's not regulation. And then right next that, right after that, the fridge comes walking by, like. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a whole like 1950s big ass, you know, cool, cool cost chest that they're carrying with like on bamboo poles. It's like, like carrying the ark, you know, like in uh, yes. Raiders of the yeah. Lost Ark, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. It's totally 
they're schlepping this. Yeah, they get it takes four guys to carry. Of course, this thing. The, you know they're making the the Cambodians carry this. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so so we see, and then uh, Rudier, who's another character, um, uh, lesser. He's so there. Sort of there's he's out battling in the field, and um, so we realize that there's a plan to carry this sort of to go through the jungle, and um, they're gonna they're gonna evacuate and. Uh, Tao Tsai is their chosen destination, right? And it, do we think this is also fictional? I didn't see that one either, so maybe. Yeah. So, uh, but so they're they're kind of headed, they're proximate to Dien Bien Phu, and um, this is it's supposed to be in kind of eastern Cambodia, I think. So they're they're but but it, but did they, I guess the soldiers, I guess who they see marching, I guess are those supposed to be recent. Um, Soldiers who recently fought at Dien Phu, or the the Vietnamese soldiers who they see. Oh, I don't. I'm not sure. Maybe they're headed I, there. I think it's part of the. Yeah, I think it's part of the larger uh, Viet Minh offensive. Okay. As it looks like they're gonna they're gonna pull it at Dien Bien Phu, um, and they're they're launching attacks all over. Yeah, and uh, so they're 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 gonna they got to set out, and um, one interesting kind of kind of. Uh, narrator or character almost is uh the um the radio that they keep hearing um sort of these broadcast news broadcasts about um what's happening at geneva uh at dan bien phu at uh at tau sai uh and and that's an interesting um how it plays with them psychologically about what's happening and where they're going i thought that was a that was yeah. a clever device yeah that's their contact to the Outside world, if you will, and uh, okay, Tau yeah, they'll still stop, and then the guy will crank yeah. the radio to create electricity, and then and then they'll they'll dial in and hear the uh, the terrible news about how it's going for the for the French in general. But, but, but as but as usual, the British are talking over them, right? So you know, the French <laughs> yeah, Empire, yeah. as glorious as it was, is always secondary <laughs> to the British Empire. And their their reception keeps getting interfered with like uh, transmissions from Singapore, <laughs> and you can you can so every now and then you yeah. hear this English in the background. They're complaining about that, and the and 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 Vietnamese uh, occasionally like uh, slagging on them, uh, telling them to give up, and um, yeah. So so it's a it's a kind of a classic jungle trek is the bulk mm-hmm. of the movie. What um, did you think about Wilsdorf saying? Uh, Man, one day I'd just like to kind of you know settle down here and find myself a. Uh, fairly young uh local woman to uh you know and just kind of live out my days here you know like kind of idealizing aspects of cambodia vietnam you know indochina um yeah you mean fetishizing especially women like that yeah yeah well yeah yeah he goes into a little bit more detail than i did but (laughs) yeah that um that exchange uh uh, filled up my Orientalist bingo card. Um, so, <laughs> right. You know, but, oh. uh, buying a house, buying a house on the river, setting up like a uh, a little uh, Colonel Kurtz. Um, and it's I think a, he says a young, that young coot, girl. That, oh. yeah. yeah, yeah. He says he says coot the um, the um, the indigenous uh, troop, the, the one that they're communicating mostly with the command. The um, again, we don't know if they're they're Khmer or they're Lao troops. But he says he'll find me a girl. So yeah, uh, yeah. it's just, just like you know, the last gasp of uh, sort of predatory colonial sexual practices. Uh, fortunately, the end of colonialism 
eliminated all that behavior from Southeast Asia. Right, like, right. Uh, Thankfully, horribly over there. Uh, foreigners behaving well. I never, since. never see anything like that. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, there are things that we probably don't need. We you go see the, watch the movie for yourself. There are some, but I think probably pretty, you know, actually not even probably true. I mean, I, I've heard almost the same things from people in the 2000s. Uh, so, so it's not hard to imagine um, in the, in the 1950s <laughs> that, that the attitudes mm-hmm. about uh, um, the availability and, and to the extent that like this will happen later, but like every time um, a woman would show up on screen, I'm just like, <gasps> like nervous, like, Oh God. Uh, and maybe we just, we, we just saw casualties of war. <laughs> we're a little, <laughs> we're a little shell shocked, but like I was literally nervous, like, Oh God, Oh God, please, please. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a scene in this film where they, they find uh, village girls bathing in the river. Yes. And uh, oh. everybody gets very excited, and uh, fortunately, did not go in that direction. Um, you know, Viet Tan Nguyen in Nothing Ever Dies has a really um, intense discussion of that motif, in, uh, particularly in American films about um, mm. about uh, about the war and um, the image of women and the the recurrence of rape and the way that which uh, sexual violence is sort of normalized in all of these films. And we're sort of, in some ways, American viewers are numb to it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Viet Tan Nguyen's Nothing Ever Dies. Author of The Sympathizer and The Committed. But he wrote a really great yeah. fiction book as well. You can't go wrong. Nothing Ever, that's a Bond film, right? Nothing Ever Dies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's they, it, a little known fact. They, um, uh, Broccoli, the Bond producer, got the rights to Viet Tan Nguyen's book and uh, it changed it dramatically. Uh, <laughs> less about war and memory and more about uh, <laughs> Daniel Craig. Um, more, it's, more. Actually, it's actually from 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 Tony Morrison. It's, uh, it's a reference to Beloved. We uh, we see uh, <laughs> we see. Um, there's a couple things that happen in the uh, in in the movie. Like they're you know they're kind of typical like kind of band of brothers stuff. Like oh let's let's share a drink. Let's uh, you know we're we're kind of uh, um, you know some what what did you think about the dynamics between the the French and the uh, you know Southeast Asian soldiers on uh, on the same side. There was obviously power dynamics, which are real, um, but they seem to they seem to like like to um, give give agency like leadership. Like Kut was like, "Hey, go!" Yeah. Um, like he was a real commander of his of his men. I thought that was that seemed to be true mm-hmm. to form. Mm-hmm. The French really yeah, they, they seem to be soliciting. They seem to be soliciting feedback from him. I mean, it's. It's much less sort of authoritarian colonial than I expected. Um, they listened to Kurt. They listened to some of the others. And um, we're and we're at a point in the war where you know, and with the and with the French plan, they're trying to use more indigenous. They're trying to. I mean, they don't have a choice, right? They're they're also like uh, like the, the Americans in Vietnamization. They're really, you know, they they're um, relying even more heavily on and, and not just for for casualties, but. Um, uh, to to carry in, out the war effort, yeah, yeah, intel, whatever, right? They did that with well, a l- little later in the film, some just local, yeah, local people that kind of join up with them for a little bit and are providing kind of some intelligence too. So, I was surprised in the in the uh, I was thinking about like you know the, so if they're trying to march out of there, they seem also um, t- eager to engage in uh, some conflict. You know, instead of like keeping their heads down, um, 
Well, but that's that's the young lieutenant who's only been there like eighteen uh, days. Yeah, he keeps yeah. pushing them, and I I, I rewatched it um, uh, before we start recording this, and and initially, what's his name? Willem Will Willsdorf. 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 The, the Alsatian, um, which is another word for German Shepherd. So whatever. <laughs> Alsatian, I think. Of. Attack dogs, but um, um, nice. Nice. he he kind of pushes back uh, a few times against the the young lieutenant and uh, gets overridden. And there's this recurring reference to um, the charge of the light brigade. Yes, mm-hmm. which, um, didn't work out well. <laughs> yeah, right, right. More windmills to joust. Yeah, so th- so the um, those cause cancer. They uh, <laughs> nice. They decide to engage um, uh, a Vietnamese supply train that's near the river, and uh, well, they're actually using bikes mostly. It wasn't a train. Okay, sorry. It was a supply train. That was a euphemism. Oh, okay. A euphemism. Sorry. Was a, they, they're, uh, yeah. Interesting, as we know, many uh, have has been written about the the Ho Chi Minh trails often trafficked by bicycles were an important part of, and uh, um, yeah, the, they're they're using the bikes to transport. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're right. here across the river. Yeah. So they open up on that group, but some initial success, a bunch more Vietnamese kind of roll in. They have to sort of pull out. They're getting overrun. Tau Sai is under attack. That's where they're headed. And so they kind of s- split up. Um, and Wils- Wils- yeah. Wilsdorf, Wilsdorf is going to kind of try to lure them in one direction and let the wounded and torrents go in a different direction. So their firefight doesn't end up well because they... Yeah, the, the 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 Vietnamese are now engaging them, and they have wounded. They're they're much uh, far inferior numbers, and so yeah, the plan is to that Wilsdorf is going to kind of go to take Hill. Um, what is it, nine fourteen, uh, or to go twenty four? I think to he- head there, and um, or and and, and then they're going to uh, you know reconnect uh, down the road, and so the sort of the Torrens will take the kind of the slower wounded group and uh, Wilsdorf will be the more fast mobile um, lure them away. And um, yeah, so it's a, it's a, you know, a, right, right at, right at the get go, we get casualties um, on, on both sides. And um, yeah, the uh, it's, it's a tough, um, I was thinking that like, God, in that situation, you know, you've got, um, what do you do? You know, you've got wounded. You keep them. Mm-hmm. You all die. Do you leave them and maybe? Yeah, which is what Wilsdorf like, wants to do. Yeah, but He's uh, very, they're dead anyway. Yeah, so. they don't. I mean, and obviously, it would have been insanely difficult in real life. The actors too, acting this stuff out, like this trekking in the jungle up and down these hills, like these river crossings that they're doing. Like, gosh, that's that had to be hell also um just the filming of the movie must have been super tough yeah like if you've i just i think about like hiking in like wet shoes wet pants uh 24 hours a day like yeah no trails really i mean yeah it's getting shot there's, at. there's that one scene there's the one scene where um i forget who dies but the the radio guy the frenchman who carries the radio takes the boots off his dead uh yeah his dead he won't be needing and, uh, these. The new boots on. Yeah, he's gonna go dig a grave for him before he does that. Well, but yeah, boots are made for walking. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So they have the wounded on some bamboo stretchers, and at one point they're kind of crossing a river, and 
they drop the stretcher like in the river and dude goes over a waterfall. It's like, oh man, this is not going well. Um, yeah, that was first episode like of like, um, did they just kill that guy <laughs> by, by dumping him over <laughs> over a waterfall? Uh, there's there's some pretty realistic spills in this one. Um, the what did you guys think about like uh, an, an, the other um, uh, unseen character in this film is morphine. It's opium. Uh, <laughs> they, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of opium, uh, a lot of morphine running around, um, and which is which is you know true to form. The both recreational and uh, medicinal um, morphine is being used at a pretty heavy 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 rate in um, in, uh, in in this film. Uh, to yeah, t- you know. So much of the soldier, so much of the film is about the experience of the soldiers and the suffering they're going through, just marching through the jungle and so forth. Then the wounded, and there's a steady stream of uh, wounded soldiers that they, the only thing they can do for them is give them morphine. And uh, that first scene where they they give the guys morphine and suddenly they're <laughs> things aren't so bad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. you guys ever had had morphine? I had a I had an appendicitis a couple years ago and was just. I mean, well, I guess I was literally dying, but I was in the ER and they hit me with the morphine. Oh, I, I said, okay, I can go home now. It's you guys fixed it. Uh, I'm all done. All your pain <laughs> like, goes away. No, no, you're, you're, you're staying. We're taking that. Out. I'm like, well, I feel great. I mean, it is really, really stunning the way that stuff works. And so I, I was really empathizing with the, uh, the, the actors playing the, the severely wounded who like the only thing, that can be done for them as a shot of morphine, but they they, they know all these guys are going to die too. And yeah. Just, yeah and in some ways, I think maybe that that's a larger metaphor for this stage in the war. Like, why are why are the French troops doing anything at this point? Because uh, but you know, Dem Dem Fu is going to fall, and they're just they're arranging deck chairs in the Titanic. So really, this is this is morphine for the army. Yeah, the the futility of uh, that's a great punk band name. The, the the utility of of this is is great, and maybe yeah, morphine is a is a maybe a great is a is a nice indicator of that. There's a, a scene the they come on. Um, I guess they, they when they is it after they reunite with Willsdorf, where they they come upon the the a house um, out in the country. Um, I guess I mean maybe he he joins them there, doesn't he? Willsdorf, I think, but they. Um, they, well, they, they get to a village first, which um, they they have some locals that help tend to the wounded and, and stuff, and they get uh, hitch a ride with a couple of uh, elephants there, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, here we go. Elephants, I like elephants. Elephants, I like Did you ba- record this one, too, man? Yeah, yeah. I no. like how they swing through trees. Elephants. <laughs> what? Okay, it's good. Uh, the have elephants are awesome. Operation du- yeah, have you guys done Operation Dumbo Drop yet? We have op- done Operation Dumbo Drop. You yeah. have? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is that is the elephant in the Indochina Wars film par excellence. I think. Yeah, yeah. That movie was not Tendong. Yeah, that was uh, that was an awful. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was that was so cool. I mean. I mean, I'm a sucker for elephants in any sort of occasion, but like, yeah, they have this the the supply train and they're um, putting the the wounded and all the gear and the, it's, it's a yeah, great the shot of them are... coming up a draw 
on these elephants. Yeah, yeah, kind of from above. They have the wounded mm-hmm. kind of on top, uh, being carried by the elephants and stuff. It looks looks great. I mean, yeah, that would have been costume in color too, but it looked beautiful in black. But just the how dense the jungle was, it was uh, an awesome shot. And yeah, they they come with the wounded to um, yeah, to a I village think this or a is house. Where, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was going to do an, an opium segue. Um, you know, the wounded. They one of the things they do is they're but they have uh, the 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 beds kind of opium den style. They get in there and they have the, all the kit out and they're um, yeah. They say smoke opium like the Japanese did. Yeah, the Japanese got hurt and then they just smoke opium and they're fine. Like and they ran into the hills and you know they <laughs> like we have a context for this for treating the war wounded. Um, that that was a, that was another moment of a sort of female danger. I was that really stressed me out was so one of one of the daughters is helping um one of the wounded like prepare the opium for him to smoke and sort of laying there and and getting the pipe ready and i was just like oh something gonna happen (laughs) something gonna happen to her i was getting flashes to uh like quite american and uh michael kine um because his uh i'm forgetting her name in the film now but uh his girlfriend would yeah. often prepare him pipes the same sort of way where it'd be kind of lying on the bed just like that. Yeah. I, I think it's a, another, uh, another um, square on the Orientalist bingo card. Right. Right. Sitting down at opium den with the, uh, with the, uh, with a lady that is uh, helping one prepare. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And we should have a bingo card. That would be a, a drink for every uh, right. cliche trope that is uh, triggered. And it's also a celebratory yeah, yep. uh, opium pipe because it's the anniversary of the fall of the Nazis. Um, uh, I guess yeah. nine years prior, which, which is the, the, the traditional ceremony for honoring the uh, the defeat of Nazism. Yeah, opium pipe. smoke um, opium. Yeah, right. Um, the original four twenty, you know, ladies and gentlemen, was, uh, was <laughs> well. That was the the date they fell right, April twentieth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's why. That's why oh. we celebrate that day. Um, but you get historians who, who indulge in this enough and they'll start screwing up the date. I like that people are um, freak, I, to imagine them freaking out. Over, That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 I, what I also liked was the, um, the way the, um, the indigenous troops were, were smoking, and they were uh, smoking the traditional bamboo water pipes, which weren't yeah. the same thing that my students at UC Santa Cruz were smoking, but um, smoking tobacco out of the water pipe. And eventually a couple of the French guys start smoking with them. Yeah, that was a good, that was a, that's, that, that was a cool, they've got the, yeah, the kind of traditional bamboo pipes and they've got, uh, uh, which were, yeah, they're, they're smoking. That's a, that's like a, almost like a hookah with that. I mean, is, is, is it functioning like a hookah? That one, I, I haven't tried from the, the, the bamboo, like a tobacco pipe like that. It, 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 it's a, it's, it's a bong. It's a, it's a bong. Okay. It's just a, it's a bong. Yeah. yeah. Water pipe. So the, um. So, so, I, so I've read, so I've read. <laughs> So we've heard. Sienok had that, uh, he demanded that as part of the contract. Uh, you got to supply bongs to all the uh, Cambodian actors. <laughs> it was it was in their rider. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, no brown M&Ms <laughs> and lots of bongs. Yeah, no, the the, uh, the the French guy thought they were, he was being called brother, but actually they were asking for a water pipe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, Bi- bilingual dad jokes. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. That's there's there's a, there's a few listeners that are really gonna love the shit out of that one, Mike. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. They, they uh, if they would have, they already would have left though. I think so. <laughs> 
one interesting things that ha- that that I that that, I, that had to be intentional in this is that uh, Wilsdorf is he is confusing in his head things that are happening uh, with in Indochina with things that happened to him in World War II. Right? He is he is talking about um, you know oh the Russian I mean the Vietnamese uh, you know the fall of Stalingrad I mean the fa- you know he uh, you can tell um, it's. It's a bit jumbled, uh, a bit name of the rose for him. He's becoming, um, you know, one war is bleeding into the to the to the other. That was I thought that was a great um, device. Yeah, agreed. That would that's not so obvious. But, but, but also, one one French soldier is bleeding into another in this as well. Hey, oh, <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> and uh, um. Yeah, the our our friend that uh, was smoking the opium, Rudier, has been he's been injured already, and he uh, he expires. Yes, succumbs to his wounds overnight, and so <laughs> so here we have a we have I have a couple theories on this. Should I should I give them to you now? Okay, yeah. So he's he's on the he's on the uh, the opium couch, right? And he passes away the next morning. They see his body there, and he's covered with flies and bugs, right, all over his face. They do a really great close-up shot of his yeah of his, like like like, at, like living bugs crawling over his face and mouth and nose right and he's not twitching or anything yeah, yeah it, it's so, too it's too good to be like a, a, a mannequin or something it's it's so so theory one is the director killed the actor <laughs> and because he had to get the shot and that was the only way makes sense like the flies aren't gonna you know it's gonna take a little bit of time for flies to accumulate like that you know they put some honey on him. Or well, like- that's my other theory. Okay, so many of my many of my listeners are probably very familiar with the song "Billy the Mountain," and this uh, the hero of the song "Billy the Mountain" is of course Studebaker Hawk. And how Studebaker Hawk accesses his special flying powers is he rubs Aunt Jemima syrup on the inside of his thighs, and then he allows flies to fly in and lap up the syrup, okay. and then they help him fly in the air. So. The other theory is it's Aunt Jemima syrup all over his face, just like Studebaker Hawk. How much LSD is involved in that theory? The oh, none, because it's Zappa. So because okay. oh, it's, it's Zappa. Okay. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, yeah, what do you think, Mike? Is he dead so, or alive? Uh, I, I I was rather impressed with uh, the ability to, to play a corpse, but I, I got a question regarding the character. He was also uh, in the German army in the Wehrmacht, right? Rudier, yeah, I, I, think, I think, I think, you're, times. I think you're right. Yeah, but he's not Alsatian, and maybe he was a bit more ideological mm. in his collaboration. Whereas later in the Wilsdorf. film, uh, Wilsdorf says, "I was forced into it. It was right. it was just it was geography." Yeah, yeah, and whereas this guy maybe was um, one of uh, Hitler's willing executioners. Yeah, maybe that's a good that's and, a good point. And and those the, the Alsatian director might have wanted of, to put that yeah in there. Yeah, <laughs> and and Wilster's a little um, little hostile to Rudier. Did you guys pick up on that? Yeah, well, you, well at the beginning he's like, oh, he's out there, you know, dicking around, like getting shot at, like yeah, he's not. There's yeah. not a fan, and he's very well. We'll find he's very callous about like, okay, well, just leave him here, lodge a grenade under him, and yeah. And we're yeah. off. I think a final theory, Matt, and this this can actually be what happened is like he's actually smoking 
a shit ton of opium. And so he's like laying there like high as balls and just, he doesn't feel anything flies over him. Like, sure. Like, um, he's not. Okay. I mean, our uh, listeners can hit us up. What, what do they think? A, yeah, theories. the director killed the actor. B, B, the Billy the Mountain theory, or C, Zappa. he yeah. is just super high. He's just really high. Okay. Yeah, unlike our students who would have drawn on his face, the director uh, <laughs> uh, used him for a scene. Yeah, yeah, no teabagging in this movie. So, um, <laughs> everybody bails. Uh, the, yeah, they, the take, they take the elephants. Villagers leave, um, and they find a letter from the village chief that <laughs> yeah. says basically, sorry, not sorry, uh, take can, the take the rice. You can have the rice, the rice. So, yeah. you can have the rice but... Uh, um, and then Wilsdorf rolls in. Yeah, and the lieutenant seemed sort of touched by that letter. He was sort of smiling about it. And it yeah, was a yeah. Polite letter. Yeah, I was too dismissive with the sorry, not sorry. But, yeah, it was, you know, he basically said, like, sorry, we had to hit the road. We had to get out of here. Well, and also, I was just thinking, though, how how um, how much danger you would put someone in if you did that, like staying at their house, going there. Like, what a fucking target you put on a family, you know, or a village by – by doing that, I mean, they're going to get murdered if they, you know, they're not going to, like, take time to see if they were, you know, um, invited them in or if they were forced their way in. Like, right. that that was the other kind of angst, you know, and they're, they're out, like, casually, like, bathing the, the, the French soldiers outside of the house. I'm like, why are you being more discreet about someone, a spotter, could, like, see you there and, you know, uh, yeah, I had all kinds of... Uh, um, thoughts about like the, mm-hmm. the and, and that so the family like for them to run is like oh okay yeah. I, you, you're I, concerned about OPSEC yes yes Op- operational security as always Mike um, uh, you, you hear that guy in the back of the theater yelling at the screen that's it terrible Spike <laughs> terrible OPSEC. terrible come on yeah right uh, they, I could have done it so much better um, so they so they're uh, they decide to um, yeah. Wilsdorf comes in says leave the bodies, take the cannoli, <laughs> and uh, uh, <laughs> leave the bodies and booby trap them. Basically, uh, stop digging the grave for uh, um, oh gosh, uh, Rudier and uh, take you know let's we gotta get out of here basically. Um, so Wilsdorf removes kind of the valuables from uh, Rudier, like you know letters i think there was a photo whatever you know he takes it with him to potentially pass on to a loved one or what have you um and then he puts a grenade under the body so that when the Viet Minh come and move the body or try to yeah. search it it'll it'll blow them up so there's a which, there's which a is great... such a, a dick a dick move at the end of the war you guys aren't gonna win i mean just yeah <laughs> you guys are evacuating like setting booby traps like that isn't it? Yeah, you're going to injure or kill one person probably. Um, yeah. It's not going to turn the tide. And, um, and maybe the person that's trying to bury a body that you didn't have time to bury or didn't take time to bury. Or, or the villagers coming back to reoccupy their house. For, for example, yeah. Well, um, he says... Maybe don't want the French soldier in their house. <laughs> he says, Wilsdorf on war, quote, the end justifies the losses. Otherwise, you can't lead. So... There you go. Well, sounds like you learned a thing or two on the Eastern Front. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, that's the Stalin had the same. Uh, Stalin had the same logic. Uh, uh, those those losses. Yeah, they. Um, there's a beautiful shot of um, 
DM, I think it's supposed to be Dien Bien Phu with soldiers um, resupplying parachute paratroopers. Um, is that it? Is that the scene where they're coming out of the airplane? There's a there's a really cool shot of like um, uh, paratroopers and that that uh, it looked like uh, clearly a war his a war cinematographer you know had kind of had kind of taken those. There's some good um, some good aerial shots of of that. But yeah, they're they're um, they're they're here on the radio on Radio Air France Asia. Um, Tao Tsai is surrounded but still standing. Uh, we see a report on the Geneva Convention, um, and uh, yeah, and so it's a uh, 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 it's not it's not going well. It's going to play with their heads. Um, there's a oh, then we we get to another village, and um, they decide not to loot, but not not too much. <laughs> yeah, the people have fled kind of already, so it's it's vacant, um, and some of the Cambodians begin to. Loot or pillage, and they're gonna uh, take a chicken or a pig. I forget. Yeah, yeah, he's picking up a pig. And Torrance objects. Wilsdorf says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it's okay." Um, and the uh, the the lieutenant changes his attitude when they uh, find a bottle of French wine. Yes, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and oh, and then they can, they, they'll, they'll loot that, and it's a it's a 1950 uh, stuff, which is. Uh, uh, Bordeaux, just uh, <laughs> northwest of uh, the city of Bordeaux in the Gironde, and I, I looked up. Is that a good? Uh, is that a good bottle? On on a nineteen fifty um, center step, and um, saw one listed for fifteen hundred bucks, okay. but uh, a few in in the couple couple hundred euro range. Wow. Okay. So not a bad. They're kind of cavalier. Um, Drinking it, they throw they're throwing the bottle around each yeah, other. Yeah, I was like, like hey, man, you got hey. one bottle, guys. You got to be careful. You're just tossing it an open they bottle. Were, but good catches. Yeah, yeah, good catches. Yeah, like I, I, I I'm, I'm, a, I'm a butterfingers. I would have dropped that. It's like line. Tom Cruise in cocktail. They're just like slinging that thing. It's impressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but they, 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 the French what really are reference. drinking a fair. <laughs> they really are drinking a fair amount in this film. I mean, one of the opening yeah. scenes, they're drinking pastis. They're, um, they 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 drink the wine. Um, they're drinking chom. Uh, maybe, maybe maybe the war effort you know, was was a bit hampered. Opium, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Opium. Yeah, they, these guys would stop partying so much. Yeah, right. So like under yes, no, French, way, no the... way to run, no way to save an empire. It's like a frat house over there. Yeah, the U.S. keeps sending sending. They keep requesting supplies from the U.S. and they're all just boxes and boxes of alcohol and drugs. So, yeah, but it, but it wasn't a full frat house because when the, when the guy was passed out, they didn't draw on his face. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah. Right. They, they just put flies, honey, and flies on his face. So and Jemima syrup. And Jemima syrup. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys want to see the magic of Pastis? Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't. Do you want to have it have our live reaction to it? Uh, we we could do this. Yeah, as a, yeah. As a so let me, let me make sure that the glass is dry because it, and uh, you can narrate it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. What so, do you want you describe uh, for the listener, Matt? What? When, let's, okay. So uh, yeah, we're the, the visual may not make for a good podcasting. Maybe we could do like a screenshot and post it up or something. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, so you wanna you wanna give me an, you wanna okay you, yeah, you, you, do, you wanna, you wanna give us break, back or? in give us a give us a back in there Matt and then okay Michael uh, as we're back is gonna he wants to uh, demonstrate 
something, and I'm not sure what this is going to be. So, so Mike, uh, what, do, what do you have for us? Well, so as, as the ambassador of French culture here, uh, I need to show you guys what, <laughs> what pastiche is like. It plays an important role in the film, as we're going to see in a subsequent scene. But this is pastiche, which is a strong liqueur. So I guess it's 45% alcohol. Okay. Okay. And when, when you pour it into the glass... It comes out. See how it's poured? We just got an empty glass there. Clear. It sort of it has that sort of amber color. Yeah. Right? Okay. Relatively clear. Almost like a beer color. And then, okay. yeah, never, ever, ever drink that straight. Never drink that straight. And watch. <laughs> that now, here feels comes like the magic. When you add, when you add water to it. Ooh. Did you do that? Clouds up. Clouds up, and it, it turns in. It almost looks milky. So if you go back and look at the opening scene of the film, they're drinking the pastilles. They pour in the clear uh, liquid and then add the water, and it clouds up. What is the what is the what is the flavor profile of that uh, it's mixture? Li- licorice tea, licorice okay. tea, like it, like a, a less strong ouzo. Okay. Uh, and pastis, the, the two main brands are Ricard and um, Pernod, which are, are both from Marseille, I believe. Is there and a uh, specific ratio that you are needing, or do you kind of just pull different? people kind of play with the flavor so, a little bit play with the flavor when it's served in a cafe uh the glass will come and there'll be a small amount poured in the bottom less less than a, uh, a shot and then it comes with a pitcher like the pitcher i have here and you add water um to your taste and it, it, it is it is the drink of provence and the drink of colonialism too so thank you and, and the for, drink of empire. Yeah, yeah, keeping that alive. We we appreciate that uh, here on the podcast. How does oh, now? I I've had some uh, I've had some absinthe with uh, with Doctor Van. Uh, how would you How would you rate the licorice level? Um, it's 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 similar to absinthe, but um, based on our research uh, at the AHA, much less strong than absinthe. <laughs> um, fortunately, we had an excellent guide. Uh, for that uh, research project with uh, Professor Kim Wagner of uh, uh, United Kingdom. Yeah, I don't remember much after the absence, to be honest. Uh, so, um, yeah, all right. Well, we're excited. Uh, you've you heard it here first. Um, uh, were flies, like, just kind of crawling all over your face uh, when you woke up the next morning? <laughs> yeah. well, you know, interestingly, <laughs> a bourbon, I woke up on Bourbon Street at uh, Lafitte's, uh, <laughs> defeated, yeah. Oh, uh, boy. I so, think we, we, were, we were at the new, we, we had the absence at the new Lafitte, right? Yeah, we, we did. And then, yeah. then we went to the original, which is the oldest continuous bar in the States. Yeah. So, uh, strictly for research purposes. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we, this is good. That was all part of a, part of the great American Historical Association <laughs> meeting. We are proud to be uh, paneling up there. All right, so... Um, where are we at here now? So they're they're they get they're getting ambushed on the river again, right? Now this is or they, uh, no, I've I've will start for counting like a story from 1946 and kind of talking about, hey, my captain said, um, you know, if we this is kind of returning to France and being greeted by some villages with like flags and like you know being welcoming them back, but other villages if they didn't do that that meant they're rebels. So then you torch the village, and so he tells this story about. Coming to a village, didn't see anybody. They set it on fire, but it turned out like all the local villagers were like on the other side of the village, like 
waiting to to greet them like instead and so they come running in like no no what are you doing and um and he basically just says too bad for them uh and uh <laughs> so th- that's a uh, great story about uh french colonial the return of france uh, to <laughs> vietnam or <laughs> did did is this before or after they hear about the fall of dien bien phu the, the the his his uh, war story there that was this is before this is before this is while they're it's still in that village okay um uh yeah so this is still when they're leaving that village on the way out of it so they so they 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 ambushed a party earlier in the in the film and now they get ambushed um crossing a river there uh yeah i knew this was something bad was gonna happen on this river (sighs) yeah you could just feel it in the air tonight yeah um they were they were um they get they get they incur more losses, more wounded. Um, I'd like to point out that uh, Torrens has a serious tobacco addiction. That guy, <laughs> <laughs> that guy yeah. is he, he is a fiend for smoking. Did he, you see at one point he he asks uh, uh, Wilzor for a light, and he lights his cigarette, and he just kind of stands up, walks like three feet ahead, turns around, and then comes back and asks for a cigarette, like. <laughs> And at the beginning of the movie, when they start the march, he orders no cigarettes. But then they smoke throughout the whole movie. Yeah, he quickly reneges on that and is is a serious. Yeah, he it's it's. I always thought it's so it's so heavy handed that is is that intentional? Like he's, um, <clears throat> he's really leaning hard on the uh, tobacco addiction. Um, so two civilians come kind of after this. It's relatively brief skirmish firefight um and they say that uh, their oh, right. uh, a viet minh chief was wounded at uh, tao sai but uh zian bian fu and tao sai have fallen and so they've received this news now from these locals uh one one man is a man one's a woman and they kind of end up joining them for this next portion of this hike yeah and then and then we see um you know, they get out the radio and they're hearing. Uh, their- oh, did you notice the guy, uh, the guy, the radio dude? He goes to like yeah. take a piss or something right after the skirmish stops. And then he gets shot like in the arm. He's just standing in the open, like doing it though. Like he wasn't like by a tree or anything. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you like? This firefight just stopped like 10 seconds they're, they're ago. On like, your, they're on your trail. Yeah. Like, like, like- <laughs> so that one I did not but, really. And, admittedly, they've been drinking pretty steadily. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. They've they've had a lot of they 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 did leave the fridge. Uh, they they're not carrying the free fridge. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah, that's true. I guess that we didn't. Did they lose that when they lost the elephants? Maybe. <laughs> it's, it's hard to know. Um, All right, fine. We'll carry wounded instead. Damn it. Um, there's a there's a great line in here. That's they, why Willstorm doesn't want to carry any of the wounded because <laughs> he wants to carry the fridge. Yeah, fridge is. Yeah. Bridge will help us. What are the wounded yeah. do? The um, there's a great line in here where the um, I think one of the one of the uh, Cambodians ask him like how he feels about losing two wars when when Dien Bien Phu falls. Uh, and uh, how's it's, it feel? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of a great like little jab. Like, uh, yeah. Well, you were there. You were there. World War Two, you were fight, fighting on the, on the Nazi side and on the French side. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, that, that's when he notes that he was in in Berlin in May forty five. Yeah, and fled fled from the Soviets. 
the um yeah there, there's it's an a, interesting trajectory yeah the, well the soviets were not kind at all to uh, pow's so i uh, know that's probably a good call yeah. there was a, there, there, there's a there's a fair there's a fair number of uh former Wehrmacht and um often ss and, and nazis in the french foreign legion at this time i think maybe that gets a little over exaggerated in some of the mythology um but they're they're a significant uh portion of the white troops Mm-hmm. in uh, the first Indochina War. And um, I didn't realize that. student at Ber- Berkeley years ago, um, was it Hiko, who was, uh, I don't know if she ever finished, but she was researching um, uh, some of these uh, Nazis in the Foreign Legion. And she had the story of um, uh, a Jewish survivor of the Shoah, who was a displaced person, lost his whole family, went into the Foreign Legion, was sent down to um, Algeria, wherever the base is, where they do the basic training. Oh, no. And as he was being mar- marched in and troops were being marched out uh, to be sent off to uh, French Indochina, he sees uh, a Nazi guard from his camp marching out and then spent several years trying to find that guy and track him down and then eventually kills him in French Indochina. Wow. Wow. That's a movie. Cases. But there's... Um, there's a, there's a pretty bad book called The Devil's Guard about um, Waffen SS and the French Foreign Legion in Vietnam, but it it it, it was a real phenomenon. And um, again, two of these uh, characters, French characters, um, served with the, the Germans during the war. I mean, I guess it makes sense if you know you think of like the German war machine is so you know monumental uh, that that these guys are career you know, specialists, what else are they going to do? They, so they're become mercenaries. Like, um, and the Legion is a perfect vessel for that. And, and the United States is doing similar things. I mean, let's just forget Operation Paperclip and, uh, Mm. NASA. (laughs) Where would we be without a couple of good German scientists? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there's a, there's an interest, you know, one of the, I thought one of the really interesting scenes in this was that they come across another village and there's like a, we see like a kind of early kind of Vietnamese re-education or kind of like a village commissar. That's kind at of Tau, thing Tau Sai, isn't it? What, what's, it's outside of Tau Sai where they found, they found out it's fallen. It's on yeah. there. Yeah. So they, they do see Tau Sai kind of from like a hillside in, away in smoke, and it's yeah. kind of in smoke. Um, and then Torrance says, all right, we're going to go to uh, Krati instead, which is a real place, um, which is kind of on the eastern edge, kind of northeast of uh, Phnom Penh. And so we see this kind of like, you know, these, uh, uh, you know, the, the village all lined up and the um, Vietnamese sort of lecturing them. Um, and maybe probably you, you can only presume some sort of maybe some landlord shaming um, happening. But uh, they decide like, hey, this is a perfect opportunity. Like, let's uh, while they're distracted uh, doing their reeducation, let's uh, let's ambush. Uh, so, you know, we'll yeah, this was a bit weird. There. This was a bit weird because they. So they've they've seen a, an airplane. They ask for a oh, supply yeah, drop, right. and so the supply drops like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm like out of fuel almost. I'll be back tomorrow. Um, and then Viet Minh get on the radio and say, you know, French soldiers uh, of Lima Bravo, you have had it. it. Says you know, surrender. We'll take care of your wounded. The Torrance cuts off the communication. So the so they know that they've. Is is that where they say our Khmer brothers like? Um, that was earlier. Know, like, earlier, like, yeah. yeah. Earlier, they yeah. yell, they're yelling that from earlier. Yeah, right. so they hear on the news that Dien Bien Phu has fallen, 
um, Torrance says, so they've won the war. And he kind of says, you know, we'll never make it to Krati. You know, he kind of knows. So instead, yeah. let's go at- attack the village. And then he gets into it with um, Wilsdorf a little bit, who wants him to go northeast and meet up with the uh, the Moy. Um, but Torrance has dysentery, so he's not as strong in his argument. Right, and they're almost out of cigarettes. So... I do like seeing. I never, like, I never make it, man. He's like, "Hey, I saved some opium for your diarrhea," which is uh, uh, talk, <laughs> talk to Elvis Presley, which is a real thing that uh, that saves lives. Uh, fear. Did he kind of like say it out loud, like in front of everyone else, and he got real embarrassed? <laughs> like, oh, here's the opium for your diarrhea. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Not cool. Yeah, and and, the, and they they do get the airdrop, but I mean, half half the the first two boxes fall enemy lines and yeah the boxes they they get have uh cigarettes and they no <laughs> and pastiches <laughs> did the hell of a but supply the bo- drop the bottles break so did you the bottles did, break and they're they're pouring the pastiche and uh the sergeant pours it into his canteen the the that supply airplane is like circling and then it you know it it's over the vietnamese lines like I was I would have bet a million dollars that that thing wasn't going to get shot down. Like, were you thinking? Were you guys thinking that? I was like, this is they're focusing I, on that. It's going to get shot. I was down. thinking on it, but that that seemed like that would be beyond the budget. Okay, yeah, <laughs> true. Um, <laughs> Shooting down an airplane. Uh, that's a big ticket. Uh, so uh, the so w- the, one of the great scenes in this movie is the uh, uh, oh so what, well the, the battle in the village. Well, the brief battle. We yeah. We didn't cover that. Yeah, they, so they, they 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 ambush, they they overrun the village and save the opium for diarrhea, and then we have the parable of the yellow and the white egg. Yeah, uh, the yolk, um, which is a reboot, which it was actually done earlier in the film too. Right? Wasn't this? Isn't this the second time this was done, or no? Did they have? I think it was just in this scene. Was this the only scene when this this was done? I think so. Okay, sorry. Yeah, but it's the it's the, it's the Viet Minh commissar. Yeah, they they crush the egg, uh, and then the 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 white runs through his fingers. Right, opens his palm, and the the, the yolk is stays. there. Yeah. The white, f- the yellow stays. The yellow right. stays. The, 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 the whites will run away, and the, the yellow will stay. Right, um, which is also in another Vietnam uh, war on film that we have not covered yet. Yeah, yeah, the sort what of the the, coming the, to the, you. The, the big one, the biggie, the biggest of the big. Apocalypse now. Yeah. And uh it's during the three hour French plantation scene, Mike. So uh <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you aren't all over that. <laughs> we 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 definitely we need you back for that for the for the, what will be a, an eight part series of but the, yeah, the the French plantation scene. Well, uh, yeah, just the well, French. You know what the biggest problem you know what the biggest problem with the French plantation scene is? What's that? They they, they have dinner. And uh, the dinner it's too early in the morning day. This huge huge turns into a huge argument, right? And everyone storms off and then um, the Martin Sheen character and uh, the daughter of the plantation owner watch the sunset and uh, they seduce each other. They're watching the sunset after a French dinner. What time did the French eat dinner? Yeah, excellent point. Yeah. After eight o'clock. What time is the sunset in the tropics? Yeah, like like six, seven, six, like it's six thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, Maybe yeah. it was sunrise. It. Maybe it was. It. Could it be sunrise? <laughs> it was. A, it was a really long dinner. Or maybe it was the next day, like the next day's sunset. I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Save. Save it for the it, podcast. Yeah. Man. Save. For, save yeah. it for the. Podcast. Yeah. For, for, for me. For me, that's up there with the end of uh, the Green Berets and the sun setting. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I forgot about that. 
the um the, you know we we see um okay so we're at the waterfall now is this before or after where he farts on the the Vietnamese uh, this is before so yeah they <laughs> uh no no right after yeah, so they're right when they're trying to get uh, the drop on the radio. The guy walks up to a prisoner and farts right in his face. Breathe that in. It's Belgian. Yeah, is what he says. Uh, which is, yeah, I guess a particular, um, a particular uh, type insult. of fart. Yeah, uh, waffle style. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. Well, M- so he, he says it's, in French. He says it's Belgian, but the subtitles on my film said it's a good cigar. No, I don't know That's what your subtitles said. Cigars were a thing. <laughs> okay. My my subtitles were a little sucky. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like the good cigar. Yeah, that's a good that one. works too. Like, yeah, that works. Yeah, but, but that's not what he's saying. Yeah, he's yeah, saying yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's Belgian. <laughs> um, which is that an insult against the Belg, or is that a, yeah? Anyway, <laughs> they receive the airdrop. Um, yeah, they get the bottle. We already talked about that. Um, the march continues. Um, God, there's a beautiful. Uh, beautiful waterfall yeah cinematography on this is like stunning like uh the waterfall and uh the nature it's really yeah yeah torrance continues his uh desire to uh drink river water um and he pukes it up guess i guess he's not really getting the hint that this is making him sick um wilsdorf and uh Oh, who is Wilsdorf? Wilsdorf and maybe Kut climb to the Kut. top of the yeah their waterfall. So they're I guess scouting yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I knew this was going to come. The river oh, yeah. gets attacked. Um, Wilsdorf and and Kut kind of they kind of like bolt away almost, sort of ran off. Um, Torrance gets these mortars and machine guns are yeah. This the shot was all from uh, overhead, kind of from. Uh, yeah. Wilsdorf's point of view. So it's not top of the close. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. Um, and is this when we lose the hippie radio guy, the, the French soldier who's running the radio who won't cut his hair? Who's the, the one who's like... I noticed he took his shirt off um, right before this, right before they were attacked. And yeah. earlier, Wilsdorf said... I never fight without a shirt on because I don't want to get picked off. Uh, they'll just say, "Oh yeah, that was funny." Shoot the naked guy, and I don't want them to be able to like do target that me, yeah. to target me. So I always have my as shirt opposed on. to the tall shoot the tall Alsatian guy with yeah. the big nose. Yeah, like the, yeah. he's the big he's the biggest guy in the platoon. <laughs> yeah, but maybe the radio dude, which I don't have his name in front of me, um, maybe they picked him off because he had no shirt on. Yeah, a good point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if you if you're if you're a sniper, like you, you know, I, I guess I'm probably gonna shoot at that guy first as well. Um, but it but it's you know, Torrens is wounded, um, mortally, and um, they're they're gonna carry him out, but they kind of know, you know, he's not gonna make. Well, it. Willstorff abandons his uh, don't help uh, wounded people uh, motif that he has throughout the film. And says, we'll get a stretcher built for you out of bamboo and haul you out of here. And Torrance says, no, no, you know, it's the end for me. Just kind of leave me here. Um, and so Wilsdorf doesn't take him too much convincing because he, of course, doesn't want to help anybody wounded. So he's like, all right, that's fine. Um, and so he... <laughs> Torrance doesn't want to get eaten by the animals. Yeah, and Torrance kind of realizes, like, oh, wait, like, what if the Vietnamese, like, don't come very soon and then, like, wild... Animals attack me, yeah. Uh, so Wilsdorf gives him a grenade. 
Maybe it was those those ants we saw at the beginning of the movie. Uh, Could have been the ants. Could have been the ma- match my maple this syrup. The, that he had this is run. the fate that awaits all all, all men. Fan. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, right, and then I like I like that he's thinking like, okay, well, maybe at the end of the night, this grenade I might need to use this grenade, and like they're like ten seconds away, and they hear the grenade go off. Like, yeah, <laughs> the Vietnamese are right there, uh, and uh, Torrens, um, Torrens. Oh, is it. that how you took it? That the Viet Minh had already gotten to him? Like, uh, yeah, I, that's what I thought. Or did you, what did you guys think? Or that he just decided to end it? Oh, I, I thought he just. Ended it right away. Yeah, I just thought he was kind of like, okay. eh, night's kind of a long time to wait, so I'll just do it now. <laughs> I've waited 10 seconds. I mean, I mean, it's certainly plausible that the enemy could have been on him quickly because they were, you know, yeah, not far away. There, yeah. Um, and then... Um, then it's over. Then it's the end of the movie. Um, but we have some great uh, title uh, uh, cards at the end of the movie, um, and then we learn um, that uh, Willsdorf... So Willsdorf is the... Is he the sole French survivor of the three seventeenth? The sole radio? French survivor. I believe that's true. Yeah. yeah. And um and then it says, Yeah, but he lived another year to to go to Algeria and uh, nineteen sixty, I think it said he died. Okay, that's right, nineteen sixty. Nineteen sixty, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh that 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 ending fit with some of the other um French uh novels and films about uh, the First Indochina War and the Algerian War, like Jean Lartigui's, um novels, which were made into films. Um, his novel, The Centurion, starts at Dien Bien Phu and then goes to Algeria and, and follows some of those troops. And they made, it, they made a film out of it called The Lost Command in 1965, starring Anthony Quinn, ah. Alain Delon, and George Segal. Is that worth seeing? Comes out the si- well, yes, and it comes out the same year as The Battle of Algiers. And I think it's really the anti-battle of Algiers because it's in vibrant color. It's from the French perspective. It, it talks about torture and everything, but rationalizes it all. Interesting. And it's, it's really sort of the polar opposite of the battle of Algiers. But anyway, that's the whole Lartigui thing is linking the French war in uh, Indochina with the Algerian war. And it's some of the same same uh, soldiers and officers. So Schoendorfer made another film uh, in the 70s that he's uh, uh, that won a bunch of awards, and that's um, uh, the Crab Tambour, the, the drummer crab, and it's it's uh, based on a novel that he wrote, which is about a a real French figure, uh, Pierre Guillaume, who was a naval officer in French Indochina, and then went to uh, fought in Algeria, and uh, took part in the coup against the Gaul in 1961, wow. and then joined the OAS, the uh, the far right officers that rebelled against uh, the Gaul and, and tried to assassinate him, and, and I think he served time in prison for that. I don't, I haven't seen that film, and I'm really curious as to what Schoenduffer's take would be on Pierre Guillaume, because this is you know this sort of heroic guy from Vietnam that goes goes full fascist in Algeria. We got lots he's, of good. Uh, right. He's like Michael Flynn. We got <laughs> nice. We got lots of good recommendation recommendations from uh, Michael Van. I think this is time for a uh, book of the week. Yeah, what else should we be reading here, uh, Doctor Van? So I strongly recommend Catherine Edwards' book, "Contesting Indochina: French Remembrance Between Decolonization and Cold War." Came out with a UCB Press, University of California Press, in 2016. 
Catherine Edwards contesting Indochina. And um, she looks at this whole phenomenon of this forgotten war and how the French did and mostly did not remember this war. She's got a whole chapter on French films about the First Indochina War, which makes the argument that there's not a lot of French films about the First Indochina War. <laughs> and it's just oh. not a part of um, uh, popular consciousness. The national uh, myth. Um, Interesting. Yeah. All right, Catherine Edwards, Contesting Indochina. French that sounds great. i got to check that out. I have not read that one yet. Yeah, go and, go and get it, fans. Well, um, so uh, don't forget to uh, everyone get on uh, oh, get on the van wagon. Yeah. I say the bandwagon. The the, get on the van wagon <laughs> um, and uh, check out uh, everyone's favorite book, uh, The Great Hanoi Rat Hunt, um, now synonymous with uh, perverse incentives, uh, uh, studies. As, as, as am I. As yeah. am I. Hey, oh. and, uh, um, Has that been option for a film yet? Yeah. It's been stolen yet, a lot by yet. other people for various purposes, but uh, those Australian guys, yeah, <laughs> and some and um, some guys in India, right? Did like their yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess there's a small country in Asia with um, I don't know. I guess a pretty robust uh, education system. Um, India, where they pretty much plagiarized uh, a third of chapter three of the world history textbook from uh, that hunt, but you know. Okay. <laughs> it, it, the, the knowledge is out there, and I'm just so happy. He's just happy to share it, folks. Um, yeah, and his uh, uh, New Books Network uh, podcast, which is really great if you want to, for, for all things history, especially Southeast Asia, check that out. And, um, yeah, if people want to hit us up on the socials, Matt, where do they well, we got to show Oh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, sh- we gotta, we gotta show we, our dong. We gotta, so. we gotta let me see your, your dong yeah. uh, rating. Oh. So, um, so Vietnamese currency, of course. People. Yeah. How, your... is, how is how is every episode you guys do not a lost episode? <laughs> the dong is the Vietnamese currency. How yeah, dare it gets you? Get your head out of the how gutter. I don't dare know. You? Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll let our we'll let our special guests go last. I'll I'll go first. Um, I I was surprised how much I I liked this film. I think I was just so ready for something to be shot in country using even. Cursory indigenous actors. Um, I'm going to give this eight and a half dong. Um, this is, this is a good high marks for this. It obviously bears some of the you know um, problems of a film made in the 1960s, but it's like so much better than so many of the films we have watched. And it's just cinematography is beautiful, and all of its problems are mostly inherent to the truth that of of empire, right? So it's not like this is unauthentic of mm-hmm. <laughs> what the ugly realities are. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go uh, eight and a half. What do you think, Matt? I'll echo a lot of that. Um, I enjoy the fact that it's made so close to yeah. the events and filmed basically on location. It's got some scenes with people um, like who are amputees who were probably amputees from the war. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it gives you a sense of realism that – Man, I mean, what else is even up there that we've done? Um, I mean, Platoon is is probably the closest, like, American-made film, maybe? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, just, it just has a very authentic feel to it. It looks, it looks really good. Um, thanks to uh, His Majesty uh, Nordum Scenic also. I appreciate, appreciate his efforts uh, any time. 
Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm generally up there. I'll go I'll 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 go eight point two five. Okay. <laughs> All right, Doctor Mike, what do you think? So how, how many how many dongs are we working with? Is ten. This, ten, oh, ten is the ten is the max. Dong? Yeah. So you can go zero right now. Uh, right now it's over twenty three thousand dong to the dollar. That's still. <laughs> oh, so you're translating there. the currency, okay? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking at the numbers here, and um, yes, yeah, I, dollars I do to donuts, dong to dollar. Yeah, I do appreciate Prince Chinook's contribution, but um, he could have contributed uh, to the soundtrack with a little saxophone number as uh, he was. Um, ah, nice. Yeah, musician. yeah, that was unfortunate. Did he and uh, His Majesty of Thailand ever collaborate on a little jazz number? I wonder. <laughs> what, what, what did What did Robin and Knight play? He played. He played like clarinet. Clarinet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is this the same guy that was uh, working with the Americans to assassinate Cena? Shh. Okay. <laughs> bygones. Bygones. As they used to say in Ally McBeal. Um, I, yeah, I, I give it a solid eight dong. Sure, maybe eight point five to adjust for inflation. Um, I think it, I think it does a good job, and it, and it also stands the test of time. Um, yeah, visually, is, can be properly contextualized, and, it, and it, yeah, visually, it's a good piece of art. And um, the black and white work works well, and it's it, it's well made. It's a well made film. What, yeah. One thing that um, I, I initially I was going, oh my god, this is hitting every single cliche in a war movie, but coming in 1965, it sets a number of the cliches. Right. Yeah. Of right. The, the Vietnam War movies, the green lieutenant and the grizzled sergeant and so forth. But unlike many of the American versions where the sergeant winds up killing the lieutenant, right, which also started to happen around 1971, um, they come to appreciate each other. Yeah. You know, they share a couple of cigarettes, share a story. Yeah, and there, and, but there's no, but there's no like he, really hero or like changed kind of like you know like it's 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 pretty dark, um, or 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 just no, yeah, it's of, it's instead of a what did we learn today, folks? He ends it once they find out Zian Bian Fu falls. He's like, well, so I guess we lost the war then. <laughs> yeah, but but let's still try and kill some of these bastards. Yeah, that 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 scene I was let's go shoot up that village. Just a little confused as to yeah. And, what and by the way, they they, they 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 kill some civilian women in that yeah. attack on the, yeah. um, the commissar. Yeah, there's I some leave, shots leave of like laying the on pigs. yeah. The the pigs are running around her. I don't know. Okay. Maybe yeah, I you know I I I wondered about um, you know I, I thought I thought about this like Schoendorfer. I I'll have to look. I mean, we're going to cover more of his contributions, but. I- interviews i wonder like at the time and maybe as 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 the you know as the indochina war has aged in terms of opinions about it um a good idea bad idea like the american war in vietnam that that you know did did what did he intend at the i'm kind of really interested about like you know in 1965 how did he was he was there a critique was he just trying to be verite like what was what was kind of going through his mind is in kind of an interesting. Um... Well, well, in some ways, I think it is that depoliticized experience of the soldier. It doesn't really matter what side you're on. Hell, hell you could even be an ex-Nazi, right? But it's the experience of the man in combat and the unit holding together. Yeah. Which I, I know that's essential for any army, but it also kind of feeds into a certain fascist sensibility. 
Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the political climate in France towards the American war in 1965 is. And I think Gaulle is pretty hostile at that point. Yeah. Has he, has he pulled out of NATO? <coughs> Excuse me. He's, I mean, he's warning the Americans essentially like, don't do it. Um, yeah. so, yeah. um, I, I think, I think the French with respect to Vietnam were kind of, kind of elbowing, you know, their, their American counterpart, like, not sure this is the best idea. I mean, you, they obviously didn't send troops there, you know, I mean, um, yeah, to participate. But, but again, but again, there, there aren't that many French films about this war and there aren't many, aren't many films about, uh, Indochina, probably up until 1992 and 92 is the big year when, um, the lover, Joan Duffer's Dien Bien Phu and, um, Oh. Andochine all come out in the same year, and uh, this is sort of like the French French cinema rediscovering Vietnam, and they were all state sponsored projects and so forth. But um, there's, yeah. there's a real absence of French cinema about this war. I wonder if that there, because you know there was obviously a period where probably it wasn't until you know you have the brief period of um, you know the deer hunter or taxi driver which you know in the 70s which are apocalypse now which are dealing with vietnam and then you kind of have a gap really till the later 80s and it's kind of a by that point we're kind of re-imagining what the war was and you know reagan is, is president is kind of chiding on we didn't lose the war you know and all this stuff and it's kind of a it's kind of a re-imagining of ourselves in vietnam um and mm-hmm. And so I guess maybe the French just took them 40 years instead of a decade to do that. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, more, more well, reason. It, 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 it fit, yeah, and it, fit, it fits with the collective amnesia regarding Vichy and the war in Algeria. These topics just get sort of pushed aside and are not part of the, the main cultural discourse. Well, Eric's very good friends with uh, Macron, so... <laughs> Very super close. Um, well, I've, there's photographic evidence of you. Uh, hey, now <laughs> we're we're we were the same island together. We, you know. <laughs> I'll 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 stop myself. All right. Well, um, well, thanks. And uh, little, little if St. John's, <laughs> kits. Uh, um, <laughs> Alan Dershowitz was there too. Let's just say that. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, Clinton Foundation meeting. Um, Pinkerty, Pinkerty was there. <laughs> if, uh, if oh no, I've canceled him from Martha's if, Vineyard. Yeah, uh, folks would have said angry or helpful and, comments. And, where that, should they... <laughs> and that's when the episode got banned. Yeah. <laughs> where should they go, Matt? Uh, if uh, you know at Napalm Podcast on on the Twitter, um, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell Ellen Dershowitz. <laughs> yeah, tell. Um, your legal counsel yeah yeah we would love to hear from all of you uh any any thoughts recommendations i know a few people have have named a few and we've uh covered a couple so you know it's yeah it's summer's a little tough um there's you know a lot it's a little little hectic but uh we we will get there yeah uh well thanks uh for um napalm in the morning stay tuned i've been uh i'm eric i'm matt and I'm Michael Van. All right, bye. Later. I love the-